thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all God's people repeat. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures His forever. Faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. My enemies did their best to kill me. The Lord rescued me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. His faithful love endures forever. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. It is the Easter season, and that means we live in the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. God raised him from the dead, and now we live in a new time, in a new creation, uh, in anticipation of the age to come, even as we live under the Lordship of Christ right now. And we say alleluia, and we say amen, and we praise God for what he has done through Jesus Christ our Lord, that Jesus has conquered sin and death, and by participating in his death and resurrection, we become conquerors of sin and death through Jesus Christ. So I welcome you into this celebration and you can celebrate in your own homes. Put on some music and dance. Make a special meal. Easter should be a great celebratory time for God's people, no matter what we're going through. As a church, we are continuing to worship via podcast out of love for our neighbor, out of a desire to care for the most vulnerable and to reduce the strain on the healthcare workers of our community. But we have good news. As I announced last week, we are working towards returning to in-person worship in June. Uh, we, are, we know that there are, a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things that can change in between now and then. And so we're trying to be very flexible and ask for your patience. But at the same time, in the celebration of Easter, we also look forward to a time when we can see each other again face-to-face -face, uh, and worship together. I'd also like to, uh, to remind you that part of our celebration is giving. God has given us great gifts. He has given us his son, Jesus Christ, but he blesses us with the ability to do work, uh, work that we earn a living for and or that we have done work and now we we earn a living having finished our our working years and as a response to god's gifts 
of any variety, we always give back to God. We know that God is, is a giver of all good things. And so we thank him by giving these things back to his kingdom. And, th and that includes our finances. We have two ways that we as followers of Jesus can give to the mission of God being worked out through First Baptist Church of Oregon City. One is by mailing in your tithes. If, you, if you're still a person who writes paper checks and know where your checkbook is and have checks in your checkbook, uh, you can mail them in to First Baptist Church of Oregon City, P.O. Box 1686, Oregon City, Oregon 97045. But if you are the type of person who doesn't know where their checkbook is or doesn't have a checkbook, um, but would like to give electronically, we do have a website uh, set up for that through a service called Tithely. Uh, the link is both on our church website, onebaptistchurch.org. That's the numeral onebaptistchurch.org. Or you can look in the link. Uh, there's a link in the description of this podcast in whatever service you're using. And you can tap on that and you can give that way to thank God for blessing you, to thank God for his good gifts, and to thank God for the ministry of First Baptist Church of Oregon City. In this celebratory season, as we eagerly dance and sing and praise God, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and may our focus be on the good gifts that God gives us as we worship today. Let us come before you in prayer. Dear Father God, we come today to worship you. We come today to give you praise and glory. 
We thank you for the gift of eternal life that you have in store for us because of your resurrection on Easter morning. How blessed we are that we have shown that you have shown us your love, your mercy, and your grace, even though we don't deserve it. How grateful we are that your son, who became the sacrifice for our sins, was willing to fulfill your plan for the salvation of mankind. May we never take this supreme act of love for granted. As we move on from the day that we celebrate as Easter, let's let every day be a day of Easter in our hearts. Lord, I pray for our congregation. May the joy of the Easter season be in our hearts on a daily basis. May the blessing of the Lord's love shine upon each individual as we go about our daily life. May the Holy Spirit be a driving force in our church as we contemplate what would, will be the path our church will take in the near future. Help us to listen and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We lift up to you, Lord, those who are sick. Give them comfort during their trials. Ease any pain that may be involved. Help them to place their trust in you and rely on your promise to Call upon me, and I will help you. Be with the families of those who are ill. Give them strength and courage during these times of stress in their lives. Help them to hold on to the promise that you will never leave them or forsake them. There may be others who have received news that is not so good. Shine your healing power upon them as they cry out to you. Be with all the others who have prayer requests. You know each detail. Help them to call upon you in their time of need. You know all and have a perfect plan in place. And may they accept your plan as your will for their life. Many of us have prayer concerns for our friends, neighbors, family members, and acquaintances. We lift those prayer needs to you, and you are now working to meet the needs of those who are hurting physically, mentally, or spiritually. Lord, I pray for our young church. I ask you be with each young person as they are now going back to in-class schooling. Reduce the anxiety of another change in their schedules and may the Holy Spirit be an ever-present companion to them. And Lord, I also lift up the teachers to you who have now have to shift gears and teach students in an in-class setting and also in an online setting. Be with, the lead, be with the youth uh, leaders as they teach them about the love of Jesus. I pray for our missionaries around the world. May you cloak them in your protection. Give them courage to share the gospel with those who need to hear it. I also pray for the mission field of First Baptist Church of Oregon City. It is the neighborhood in which we are located. As we seek to find where the need is, may the Holy Spirit be our guide. Let us be bold to share the love of Jesus by our words and our actions. May we accept those who are different from us and may our actions be the same as Jesus would do. Be with our pastor today as he brings a message from God's word. Fill him with the Holy Spirit. May our podcast be a blessing to all that will hear it. This week, I humbly request that each of you pray for our church as we consider a regathering of our congregation. Pray that patience will be the order of the day, 
Pray for the leadership as we determine the safest method for reconvening. Pray for Pastor John and the other church leaders that the best interest of the whole congregation will be followed. Above all, pray that the Holy Spirit be our guide. In your holy name I pray, amen. word of the Lord. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Do you really think this will please the Lord? At the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. This is how it must be done. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment from their neighbors or relatives, for the Lord's time of jubilee has arrived. Show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. I am the Lord, your God. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. There should be no poor among you, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. You will receive his blessing if you are careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
This is Karen Cole. Today's scripture is from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18, and I will be reading from the New Living Translation. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and foot of the place where they put the body of Jesus. Why are you crying? the angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She glanced over her shoulder and saw someone standing behind her. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, If you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned toward him and exclaimed, Teacher! Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. In the midst of all the celebration, in the midst of the rejoicing of Easter morning, of the resurrection, it's easy to forget that there were tears that first Easter morning. They were the tears of Mary. They were the tears of Mary who couldn't envision a world where Jesus was alive. She had seen what happened on the cross. And make no mistake, Jesus was dead. And when she went to the tomb, she had not expected to find anyone. She had not expected to find a living, breathing Jesus. And so she goes to the tomb with tears. And that's useful to stop and think about right now, even in a season of celebration, is to think about these tears for a minute. Because Mary isn't the only person who comes to Easter Sunday morning in tears. There are many people in our world who come to many Easter Sunday mornings with tears. There are people who, for whom they live in, in a world of sadness. They live in a world of gloom. They live in a world where things are not new for them. That the, the good news of Easter Sunday morning that is so ready and easy for some people to grab onto and rejoice in is not the good news that they're used to living in day after day. And so they come to Easter Sunday morning in tears. They come because they have experienced suffering recently in their life. They come because they, uh, they have made some, some poor decisions in their life and they don't know what to do to fix it. They come because 
some people have thought it would be very funny to make jokes about uh, people who come from the same place that they or their ancestors came from. And now a rash of violence sweeps our nation against people who look like them. There are many reasons that people come to Easter Sunday morning in tears, and we can't ignore these tears. Nor can we ignore the fact that Mary struggled to envision that Jesus was alive. In her reality, Jesus had been taken from the tomb. Somebody had stolen his body. This is what she asks the person that she bumps into um, as she is weeping. Some people think this, this passage is, is out of place in John. Some people think this passage really ought to follow verse 1 of chapter 20, where Mary shows up at the tomb, and then this happens, and then she goes and gets Peter and John, and then they run to the tomb. But nonetheless, we're here, and this is as it is in the text, and so we'll, we'll live and breathe with it here for a little while. But Mary couldn't envision a reality where Jesus was alive. For her, Jesus was dead and she was living in her grief. Mary had been a disciple. Mary had followed Jesus. Mary had, was, a, was of a group of women who financially supported Jesus as he traveled around his ministry. And it is natural for her to uh, for her to be in tears over his loss still. Our world grieves over so many things, and we have to hold this, and we have to bring it to Easter Sunday morning. So who does she bring it to? Well, she goes and she looks in the tomb, and there are angels. And normally when angels meet a human being, the first thing they say is, Fear not, don't be afraid, I have a message for you. Or, or simply, don't be afraid, calm down, stop panicking. And, and that leads us to wonder, what do angels look like? Certainly not precious moments figurines, I'm guessing, just by the biblical record. But nonetheless, Mary shows up, has a look inside the tomb, and they say, woman, why are you weeping? They have a question for her because the angels know what has happened. But the disciples haven't put everything together yet. Several times in John's gospel, we have been told and we will be told that the disciples did not understand what Jesus had said, what Jesus had done, what Jesus was doing until his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And so Mary persists in her weeping, even after speaking with the angels. And she bumps into some guy. She thinks he's the gardener. And that's an interesting observation to make. Mistaken identity is, is always interesting um, because if you've ever been mistaken for somebody else, 
if somebody has ever like called out somebody else's name at you, expecting that you're going to turn around and respond, um, then it's always telling because if you turn around and respond and they're angry, then you know that the person that they think you are has done something to make them mad. My name being John, um, I will respond to any number of names that are shouted. John, Sean, Don, Juan, hey dummy, like any, any of these names I will respond to if they are shouted at me. And so I've turned around a lot in my lifetime. Also, uh, it's, it's worth pointing out that several times uh, I have been mistaken as a store employee, even when I am not dressed as a store employee. I once was, uh, when I was working for an office supply chain and I had on the, the, the uniform, the polo shirt, the khakis, uh, I had stopped by a grocery store uh, to get some things before that were, you know, it was on my way home. And I'm standing there looking at, I don't know what it was. I, it was the grocery store. And this lady comes up to me and says, hi there, excuse me. Could you tell me like where, I think it was like peanuts or something, where the peanuts are. And I looked and she saw the name of my, the office supply chain that I worked for. She said, you don't work here. And I said, no, no, I don't. I work here. But I do happen to know that the peanuts are like four aisles over. Um, what can I say? I, I, I knew where the peanuts were, so I decided to be helpful. Mary thinks Jesus is the gardener. And normally, normally we might just go by this, this little detail, except John, in his gospel, has gone to great lengths to show us something here. And the gardener is, is part of this, this new thing that John is showing us. John's gospel opens with a new creation story. This is not Matthew or Luke's gospel that begins with genealogy and the birth of Jesus or uh, the arrival of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. This is not Mark's gospel that just jumps straight into the action. Uh, with John the Baptist, and then Jesus shows up, John gives us a new, a, a different version of the creation story, one that's centered around Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is how John's gospel begins. And as you go through John's gospel, several things come up that are signs that point to creation. Up until the final point in chapter 19, when Jesus is, is standing before Pontius Pilate and Pilate presents Jesus to the crowd and he says, behold the man. And John has told us that this is the sixth day of the week. And if we look back at the Genesis 1 creation account, Man is created on the sixth day of the week. And so here is Jesus standing before somebody who thinks that he is the final authority of life and death over Jesus Christ. And he says, behold this man. 
and they beheld him and they shouted to crucify him. And that's what Pilate does. And Jesus spends the next day, most of that day and the, the next day, either dying or in the tomb. Until on the third day, which was also the first day of the week, we have Jesus coming out of the tomb. And we have Jesus coming out of the tomb and being mistaken for a gardener. And when we're thinking about this creation comparison, we see that having Jesus be mistaken for a gardener is very significant. Because it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that God is literally recreating the world. And Jesus, being the first fruits of this new creation, as, as Paul tells us uh, later on in the, the, the book of 1 Corinthians, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the, the first of the new creation. And so it only makes sense that Jesus is the gardener of new creation. And Mary mistakes him for that. It is the first day of the week. It is the first day of this new creation. Jesus is the gardener. And this is significant for Jesus to be the gardener of new creation. Because if Jesus is the gardener of new creation, then we follow Jesus. And we see what Jesus is leading us towards in this new creation. Now, what is, I, I say new creation, what is new creation? New creation is that through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God is remaking the world, that God is setting the world right, that, that Jesus has has defeated the powers of sin and death, that God is now king of the world, that king over all of his creation. Jesus is the sovereign Lord, the one who has accomplished this. And Jesus is in the process of setting everything right. All of the things that are broken, all of the suffering of humanity, all of the oppression of humanity by powerful people, all of the misery and darkness of humanity is being undone in Jesus Christ. In the words of, uh, as, as Samwise Gamgee asked in the Lord of the Rings series, is everything sad coming untrue? Yes, Sam. Everything sad is coming untrue through Jesus Christ. This is what the new creation is. Jesus is recreating, is bringing everything back into its proper order with, with God as the head. Jesus is Lord, and he is Lord of the universe. He is Lord of the cosmos. He is Lord of us. Everything is under his control. He tells Mary don't cling to me. And this is significant. He tells Mary, don't cling to me, not for, for two reasons. One, Mary may have thought that things were going to go back the way they were. 
She calls him a, a form of rabbi. Rabbi is, is a, a, a more personal, it, it would be my rabbi. Um, it's somebody that she uh, cares for deeply. Or if you ever had a, a, a teacher or a professor, um, more, or maybe even a, a work supervisor who was particularly good to you, and you held them in high regard and you learned from, from her or him, um, you might say, that person is my boss, my professor, my teacher. And that's what Mary says about Jesus, because he had been a teacher. And Jesus says, no, Mary, this, there's something different happening now. And you can't hold on to the way things were, because there's a new creation happening. But the other reason he says don't cling to her is because he needs her to do something. He needs her to participate in this new creation by going and telling the others that he's alive, that there's something new happening. What does he say that is happening? But he says that he is going to the Father. He is going to ascend to the right hand of God. And he is going to ascend and, and we'll get into this in a, a couple of weeks uh, in greater detail, but he is going to ascend so that he can rule, so that Jesus rules and reigns, not just in one particular place on earth, but over the whole earth. This new creation is Jesus's worldwide project. It doesn't just happen in Oregon City or Oregon or the West Coast or just the United States. This is for the whole world. In fact, in this new creation, no one country, as we, human, as, we as humans define country, no one country gets a special privileged place in this new creation. Because this new creation is not marked out the old way. Jesus tells Mary, don't cling to me. Don't cling to these old ways. And it would be wise for us as followers of Jesus to pay attention to that. Because when we cling on to the old ways of humanity, and when I say we, I mean we as followers of Jesus who have participated, who have, have submitted our lives to the death of Jesus, that we find ourselves in the death of Jesus saying that we're going to put this old way quite literally to death, for which baptism is a very important symbol of this, and that we are going to rise in the new life and the resurrection of Jesus, and we're not going to live the old way. We're not going to cling to this. We're going to live in the new creation of Jesus. We're going to tend to this new creation with the gardener. Jesus. And so we, we can't take on the old ways. We have to live in this new creation where Jesus is in control. We look at the ways of Jesus and the, and the things that Jesus said and did, and we live that out because that is, that is the blueprint. That is the guide. That is how we live out this new creation is by living out the ways of Jesus. And so 
Jesus has told Mary the message. And he says, now go, and I want you to go and tell my brothers this message that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And where once Jesus defined them as disciples or defined them as followers, now they're part of the family. And this is where we find ourselves. We aren't just following Jesus, the gardener. We're part of this project. We are our co-gardeners with Jesus. We are the people who are tending to this new creation with Jesus. And the first person that Jesus sends to declare this news to the disciples who will go and declare this news to the world is Mary Magdalene. He sends Mary Magdalene, the first gospel preacher, was a woman. And we need to keep this in mind in our church and in, in the overall church, you know, all of the followers of Jesus in the world, that the first person that Jesus entrusted with this very important message was, was a woman. And it's worth contemplating and living out. And so Mary goes and she first says, I've seen the Lord. And then she gives them the message. She owns it. She makes it hers. And so where does this leave us? You know, we're, we're kind of at the end of the passage. Where does it leave us? Well, I want to circle back around to the beginning. To those people who are in tears on Easter Sunday morning. To those people who live without the hope of the resurrection. Because these are our, if we're using this garden analogy, these are our plants that need tending to. These are our plants that need water and care and sunlight and, and fertilizer and, and nutrients. And so we go to them and we tell them that, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus has died and is resurrected reigning and he's setting things right. And we don't just tell them this as an empty hope or something for them to mentally internalize. We tell them this and we get to know them and we, we sit with their tears, not offering easy answers, but finding out what is behind the tears. We go as gardeners into God's new creation and we tend to this creation and we find out what's broken. And there's no sense in pretending that something's not desperately broken when it is. There's no sense in, say, in, in being in denial of brokenness, in denial of the pain of humanity. But we sit with it and we pay attention to it and we find out what's behind it and we work to set things right in the name of Jesus. 
because this is what the new creation is. If Jesus is Lord, all this has to change. If Jesus is Lord, all of the oppression of the world has to be challenged. All of the brokenness of the world has to be healed. All of the, the sadness of the world must be accounted for and turned to joy. And there's sadness in the world that won't be healed until Christ returns. And ultimately, we as followers of Jesus right now will do this much. In any one of our lifetimes or, or the lifetimes of, of any of our, our churches, and our church is, is over 175 years old. First Baptist Church of Oregon City is over 175 years old. And even in, in these 175 plus years, we may only do this much towards the healing project started by Jesus of this co-working, this co-gardening with Jesus. But if we do this and another church does this and pretty soon this makes a big difference. Just little bits, but being faithful to this new way and not saying, well, that's just the way things are. No, Easter Sunday morning tells us that that's not the way things are, that that's not the way things have to be, that the tears of the world are not the final word, that the man who was crucified is the man who was resurrected, is the man who is the gardener and who invites us to work this new creation out with him. We, the church, going into the world and being gardeners of this new creation for the flourishing of humankind, making, doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven to the glory of God the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
Word of the Lord. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come. 
when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop every month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal all the nations. Thank you for joining us for worship today, and we pray that as we have sung and prayed and heard God's word read and proclaimed, that you would have known the presence of Christ with you wherever you are. It's the presence of Christ that goes ahead of us throughout the world, and there is no place that we go where Christ is not Lord. If you are one of those people who had tears on Easter Sunday morning, if you're one of those people who are hurting and, and broken, please get in touch with us so that we can reach out to you in the, the name of, of the resurrected Jesus. Our church website is the number one baptistchurch.org and our church email address is baptist.church at comcast.net. And if you send us an email, uh, there's a, a form that you can fill out on the website um, or you can just send us an email. We would be happy to get in touch with you and talk with you and, and find out uh, where that hurt is in your life. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in music. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist Church Readers for our creative scripture readings. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. <laughs>